Welcome, regrets, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast episode 40, exclusively sponsored by the Premium Hockey Outfitters at puckhockey.com. That's P U C K H C K Y.com. Use discount code THE RINK to get all of your gear or your Super gear. Uh, I hope you guys went out there and uh, bought a lot of bought a lot of things for all of your friends and family. Uh, some rink gear and some puck hockey gear. Um, today is Wednesday, January second, two thousand nineteen. Happy New Year! First rink cast of the new year. Uh, all of us at the rink do want to wish you and your families happy New Year. I hope everyone was safe and uh, had a good time and uh, got everything that uh, you know they had coming from Santa and all that good stuff. Uh, I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. Yes, Satan. What's up, jerks? And I'm joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John J. Cole. Hello, sir. It's a sad day, Jeff. Yeah, why is that? Well, the passing of Mean Gene Okerlund. And somewhere. No, go ahead. In a squared circle in the sky, Big John Studd is holding up a baggie of Andre the Giant's hair. <laughs> And Super Dave Osborne, I find out. And Super Dave Osborne. How appropriate. I am Jeff Osborne. Super Dave Osborne passes my my long-lost relative, Super Dave. (laughs) Whose actual last name is Einstein. Yeah, I know. (laughs) See, there are a lot of similarities. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, we had a nice kind of quiet uh, Christmas and everything, and then the Winter Classic happened. So we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, The Winter Classic trades some updates on the world juniors all kinds of that good stuff but first our boy evan in indianapolis or somewhere thereabout uh, has been working real hard on the beat for the indy fuel and we want to get him in and we've been doing the uh you know the roadhog reports or whatever um war pigs reports with mario in uh rockford so we wanted to get uh Evan into the mix and he's going to give us uh, in his first Indy fuel report. So you guys can get up to date on what's going on in Indy because quite honestly, no one's covering Indy like we are. So, you no, know, he, no one's covering the Chicago steel like we are either. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we got a lot of stuff. We're very diverse, at least in the Chicago markets right now. And uh, well, we plan you say on... we're perverse or, di- or diverse. <laughs> we're perverse too. <laughs> Figured it out. So, without further ado, our boy Evan is going to give us our fuel report, and then we'll be right back. So, here we go. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Um, welcome to the first ever Indie Fuel report on the Ringcast. Uh, the big headline coming out of today for the Fuel uh, goaltender Matt Tompkins was named the ECHL's goaltender of the week for the second time this season. Uh, in his previous two starts this past week, he was 2-0 with a 2.0 goals against average and a 9.40 save percentage. Uh, he has won eight of his last nine starts, and the loss coming in that span was against one of the top teams in the league, the Toledo Walleye, in which he allowed a penalty shot goal on the final minutes of the game and a close 6-5 loss in which he still made 29 saves. Um, over his last nine starts, Tompkins has a 2.73 goals against average and a 9.18 save percentage. He's also tied for second in wins in the ECHO with Florida Everblades goaltender Jamie Phillips. They both have 13 wins on the season. 
Um, and first place is Newfoundland Growlers goaltender Michael Garteeg, and he only has 14 wins. So Tompkins is one win behind tying Garteeg for the league lead in wins. Jamie Phillips, I talked about. Um, Tompkins was tied with him in wins. Phillips is a top five goaltender in the ECHL, which says a lot about Tompkins' play these past few games. Uh, he's also tied for third in minutes in the league with Wichita Thunder goaltender Stuart Skinner. He has played 1,368 minutes, which is equivalent to around 22 games. Tompkins has put up a 13-9 and record so far this season. He's also third in saves in the ECHL, making 695 of them in net for the fuel. And Tompkins has really been staying strong in net despite um, a weak but improving defense. The Fuel are 18th out of 27 teams in the ECHL and shots against. They have let up around 32, 33 shots per game um, consistently here lately. Uh, I talked to head coach Bernie John a little bit about it. He doesn't want their defense to be too fancy in their own zone. He thinks they're trying to make one too many moves in their own zone, trying to get the puck out, clear it, get it to their forwards. And then just when it looked like the, the uh, defense couldn't get any worse, really? Zach Miskovic, their captain, their their veteran on the back end, um, was taken off on a stretcher a couple weeks ago against in a game against the Kalamazoo Wings, in which he was boarded by Wings forward Zach Sar. Uh, Sar was assessed a boarding major and a game misconduct on the play, and he was also suspended for a game and fined an undisclosed amount by the league. But in Miskovic's absence, the defense has really stepped up. They've really improved over the past week or two. Um, Neil Manning. Uh, I would argue to be one of the field's best defenders. Is tied for 17th in the ECHL in defensive scoring. Um, 17 points in 29 games, 2 goals, 15 assists. And his partner Alex Brooks hasn't been too shabby lately either. He has 3 points in 4 games, including 2 goals in that span. And the Fuel have also brought in defenseman Guillaume Node, who participated in Fuel training camp this past offseason. Played in uh, one ECHL game previously this season, so he's obviously new to the league, still learning his ways around. Um, but he brings a great physical presence. He can lay the body behind the net, in front of the net, um, and has a great shot. We saw a game here previously in Indy where he took a one-timer from the point that ripped past the netminder. Um, it was a really great scoring opportunity for the Fuel, so good look there for Indy. And they really have had great offensive production lately. Even though they've kind of struggled to shoot the puck, to put the puck on the net lately, they're last in the ECHL in shots four per game, putting around 28 shots on the net per game. Um, head coach Bernie John, he said he wanted to start getting around 30, 35 shots on net in in games. He has a philosophy of getting pucks north. He wants the defenseman to get the pucks up to the forward, just get the puck in deep, and really try to get those scoring opportunities. Um, but the offensive production lately has been great. They have at least five goals in six of the last seven games, including a six-goal outing here recently in Kalamazoo on New Year's Eve. Um, I talked to four Brett Walichka. He, uh, he said it's been a new kind of vibe in the locker room. They've been going into practice with a brand-new mindset lately, and that's really showed um, as it looks like they're starting to gel just a little bit more out there on the ice. Uh, the line of Olivier LaBelle, Matthew Thompson, and Kevin Dufour has been very consistent. Um, Dufour was actually on a three-game streak of two goals in a game, so he had six goals in three games here. And then we're also starting to get more depth scoring, which is what Bernie John was kind of talking about a little bit. The Ruperts, Matt Rupert and Ryan Rupert, twin brothers, they've been getting it going. 
Uh, they had six points combined between the two of them and Kalamazoo here on New Year's Eve. Uh, Ryan Rupert had a four-point night. Matt Rupert put the puck in the net twice. Uh, for Josh Shala, uh, the field's leading scorer is actually on a five-game point streak here with two goals and five assists for seven points in five games. And newly acquired forward Avery Peterson hasn't played a lot lately, been a healthy scratch. But he actually scored his first pro goal and engaged in his first professional fight on New Year's Eve. So he's starting to make a difference on the ice for the fuel. Kind of get the boys going a little bit. Get the puck in the back of the net. Um, we acquired him from the Norfolk Admirals. But there is a, a lot of momentum for the fuel here. Going into two huge Central, Central Division games against the Fort Wayne Comets and Wheeling Nailers at home on Thursday and Friday. Coming off... Like I said, a big 6-2 win in Kalamazoo where they absolutely exploded for a four-goal second period, which is the third time in which they've scored at least four goals in a single period against Kalamazoo this year, and it's the fourth time in which they have done so all season. Um, the Fuel are 12-5 and five here at home. Like I said, they played the Comets and Nailers on Thursday and Friday, two Central Division opponents at home, and they have one of the best home records in the ECHL. So they're looking to get four points out of those two games. So, uh, yeah, that's the Indie Fuel Report. Thanks again for having me. Uh, for any new Indie Fuel news information, follow me at Evan F. Miller on Twitter. And back to you guys. Wow, thank you, Evan. That was great. Good stuff. Um, hopefully we're going to be hearing more from him. We may kind of be doing some uh, some flip-flopping and, and tur- you know taking turns with Mario having to do his, his – uh, Warpigs report and then doing our fuel report and uh maybe we'll get ray on to do some steel stuff and uh we'll just get, we'll, we'll make our way around at least chicago hockey for that matter so uh anyway john how was your uh, holiday <laughs> good jeff my holiday was relaxing it was really really hard to uh get out of couch mode and go into work today <laughs> very hard i completely understand yeah um but and you uh, it was good good and relaxing which is what i need you know i need a little bit more relaxation in my life so yes you do I can yeah adjust. instead of fighting with uh, people on twitters <laughs> <laughs> which i haven't done a lot of lately good it would, you know I, I don't know if it's because people don't care anymore or if uh I'm just being, I'm, I'm less agitated. I, I don't know if it has anything to do with me being less agitated, though, because I'm quite agitated often. But speaking of being agitated often, last night or yesterday was the Winter Classic. Um, Blackhawks lost 4-2 to the uh, Boston Bruins. Game was very close. Game was very tight. Uh, Blackhawks were up and then blew it. Uh but overall, um, I guess it's going to go down as a su- success. Uh, How so? What's that? How so? Well, I just mean they claim they got a sellout. So, yeah. you know, uh, you know, all the, I, I don't know necessarily for the Blackhawks, but for the league and both teams together, I think yeah. it would be considered a uh, success. Now the, yeah. the outcome of course was not a success for the Blackhawks, but no. right. you know, That's overall why. the money thing, I mean, they said they had 76,000 people in there. I, I said, I call bullshit on that, but it was close enough that they could at least say with, you know, 
with a reasonable amount of accuracy that it was somewhere in the area of a sellout. Yeah. You know, there wasn't that many open seats where it was just that blatant. Uh, yeah. So, you know, then a lot of people went out there, they tailgated. It seemed like it was, I wasn't there, but it looked like, you know, from on TV and from the pictures I've seen that everyone that I knew that went, it seems like there was, it was well attended. Uh, it was majority Blackhawks fans, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, it, it the overall game and everything itself, I think, went off better than we, we even you and I had expected it to. That's good. Yeah, it's good for the league. Yeah, you for know. sure. Now, now, uh, like I said in my recap, uh, now can we knock it off and stop putting the Blackhawks in these stupid games? Yeah. They can't win. Yeah, I think, and I think you're speaking for most fans of the NHL when you say that. I know I think you, even when the Chicago fans are really, really tired of seeing the Blackhawks, especially now that they're not a good team anymore. Well, yeah, everybody's wondering. And the big thing too, and I, I didn't even necessarily really think of it that this much before the game. But when I, when I started to think about, it, you know, it's a two to two and a half hour drive from Chicago. Yeah, you know, even longer if you're in the north suburbs. Uh, it's not close yeah. to Boston, so no. and there's no major airport nearby. No, you got to fly either into India or Chicago. Yeah. So like uh, that, those are some big. You could like connect to Kalamazoo and drive down from there or something, but yeah. Right. That that There's some big obstacles for this thing on top of the fact that uh, the closest team, the closest city or closest NHL city, uh, the team's bad. <laughs> you know, the yeah. Blackhawks are bad. Luckily for, for everyone involved, the Blackhawks were on a hot streak coming into the game. Yeah. You know, they, they, they got, they locked out on quite a few things uh, when this came out. I mean, of course, you know, you can't make up for the fact that they're just a bad team, but you know, the, this might be, might've been the perfect spot for them to hit a winter classic because they might not be this good the rest of the season. And they they weren't before it either. Yeah. It's funny. I, um, our buddy, the gov posted uh, something in one of our chats about the schedule in January and it's pretty brutal. Um, it's going to be really interesting. We'll get to this in the questions, but it is going to be really interesting to see, you know, where the management of the team is at in terms of the trade deadline. Um, at really the beginning of February, because January is going to be a brutal month in terms of the schedule. Yeah, it, it, it's not. And there's going to be teams that are going to be really putting their foot on the gas, you know, trying to rack up points before the playoffs and, uh, yep. They're going to be playing against a lot of playoff teams, a lot of good, good teams. And, uh, you know, that while this team is better than the team was a month ago with the, the player yep, and no personnel, question. they are a better team. The defense is better. And I mean, and I personally, I think that's primarily because of Connor Murphy coming back and pairing him with Dahlstrom and, you know, neither one of those guys are NHL all-stars nor will they ever be. But I mean, that's how bad the defense was that a couple of, you know, an AHL guy and a, and a decent um, death, you know, maybe four or five defensemen Murphy can, can make that much of an impact on your defense. Um, But they have, Um, I actually thought Murphy had a pretty good game yesterday overall. I think he had a couple of moments where he struggled a little bit. I, one of the goals, I think a power play goal, he was he let the guy get behind him. But other than that, I thought he was pretty good. And and uh, but again, it's it's the defense has gotten better, and as a result, the team's gotten better. But I 
I don't, I think this little hot streak that they were on was a little bit of an illusion. And um, the next month I think is going to be pretty brutal. Yeah. I was, I was kind of mentioned that. When, starting uh, tomorrow night. What's that? Starting tomorrow night when they yeah. go to play the Islanders and then they have Pittsburgh at home. Then they have Calgary. They're at home with Calgary and then uh, they travel to Pittsburgh. No, excuse me. Then Nashville at home. Then Vegas at home. Um, then the Devils, then the Rangers, so a couple of easy ones there. Um, and then the Washington Capitals come to Chicago, followed by the Islanders come to Chicago. Then the Hawks travel to Buffalo on the on February 1st. So there's a lot of tough games there. Oh, look at that. Blackhawks prospect Ian Mitchell scored the first goal for Canada. I think it's Ian Mitchell. Yeah, it is. All right. Yeah, he just scored. He opened up the scoring for the uh, Canada-Finland game. They're a uh, couple minutes into the second period. So uh, I, I, I got a tip week on Ian Mitchell that um, he may be electing to stay at Denver one more year. Oh, um, interesting. I, I checked it out with our NCAA guy who happens to live in Denver, Aaron Goldschmidt, and Aaron said that that sounded um, consistent with what he's seen and heard. It's not a definite, but that he's leaning towards staying. Um, um, in large part because he's, you know, he's recognizing that, you know, he's probably not going to make it to Chicago right away if he comes out this year. Right. Yeah. And you got basically a bunch of the same kind of guys, you know, he's, he'd be fighting with Polkvist. He'd be fighting yeah. with kind of Yoki Haro to a degree, yeah. uh, you know, plus maybe Bodan, maybe he's going to let it, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily a bad yeah, idea for him. Justice and Keith. Well, yeah, that too. Those are your two left side. Well, Gus is playing right side now, but he's really more of a left side guy in reality. Um, I think and, maybe you know, he's going to let it shake out for a year, see who they get rid of. Yeah, you know, I think it, that's what he's going to do. And and especially the young guys too. Maybe some of these guys they're just you know like eh, you know we're not going to use for this guy. We already got three of them, and yeah. then they're going to unload some guys and open up th- you know something for the following year, open up a spot. So maybe well, that's, that's, why, what I was that's probably at. why they traded Norrell. Well, Norrell wasn't coming back anyway. Yeah, he was just basically, and they had, and they had his rights, and uh, he was still under contract. So, right. but he decided to go back to Sweden and, and not be, you know, involved with the Blackhawks organization anymore. We'll talk about that in a little bit, in, in a little bit, and we're going to talk about the World Junior stuff too. So, but anyway, back to the Winter Classic. Um, it went off pretty well. Blackhawks stayed in the game; they didn't get slaughtered, which uh, we thought we could happen possibly. Uh, because head coach Jeremy Colleton decided he wanted to start Cam Ward. And it, you know, it, it ended up not being an issue, but it could mm-hmm. very well have been an issue. Uh, based... I, actually, I thought Ward was pretty good. Yeah, he was. He didn't have a lot of help, especially in the in the latter part of the game. No, but... no, no, no. Those three goals were not on him. So yeah. it was not a goaltending loss at all by any means. Um. Uh, uh, Cam Ward basically stood on his head a lot of times, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was it wasn't pretty. Let's just say it was a, it was in a flopping manner. Yeah, yeah. But he does flop around quite a bit. Yeah, which yeah, he's you know the thing I noticed he's and he should really you know hold a piece of my heart because he's more he he's not necessarily like a true butterfly goalie type guy. He's got a little bit of that like you know late. 90s early 2000s you know Dominic Hasek 
mm-hmm. you know, two pads stacking it instead of, you know, sliding over in the butterfly. He's still got a little bit. Of, he's He might be one of the only goalies that still has that old school uh, feel to his game where you get the two pad stack. There's not many of them that do that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not even really taught anymore. So that's probably part of the reason why you don't see a lot of it. But, you know, I, I don't know that necessarily was a bad idea either. But uh, whatever. So, um, yeah, they lost 4-2. Uh, it, it went off well. They looked really good. The jerseys looked nice. Uh, you know, I, I really had no complaints about, you know, anything except for the fact that Weezer didn't play, uh, <laughs> didn't play on TV, as Pappy pointed out. They did play it. They were playing it only for the local, the people locally, but they didn't show it on TV, which was Africa's uh, Toto or Toto's <laughs> Africa. Mm-hmm. I wanted him to play that, but uh, that's the only thing that disappointed me, which probably didn't disappoint a whole lot of people. Yeah, there's no way they were going to let him play that. <laughs> so, but, you know, that's all good. Uh, you know, they, it, the jerseys look good. I might, you know, see if I can find one on uh, clearance or something and get one. I really, what I really wanted was Delia to start because I was going to get a Delia jersey, uh, get it letter with Delia on it, but um, <clears throat> that didn't happen, and that's fine not the end of the world. I just thought it would be a good idea to see what the kids got on a national stage since they're not going to make the playoffs. And it's probably going to be the most, you know, the biggest game they're going to see all year. So if they really wanted to see what he's got, that would have been a good time to do it. But they, you know, they went Mm -hmm. another route. I kind of, you know, I kind of suspected uh, that maybe there was some kind of uh, agreement made when he, when he signed here. That like, uh, all right, well, you know, if you come here and, you know, you may be the starter for majority of the year. And uh, if Corey can't play in the Winter Classic, we'll let you play the Winter Classic kind of thing. You know, I that could that's very possible that something like that could have happened. And which because it was weird that, you know, like a majority of people were like, oh, you know, I would start even like Steve Conroy and Pat Boyle and, and not just us yelling into the microphones, you know quote-unquote legitimate uh, <laughs> sources were saying, yeah. you know, I would start, you know, uh, Delia's hot. He's super hot. I would start Delia if you want to win. And then they flip-flopped, of course, on the pre-show when, when it was announced something otherwise. But, you know, it's not the end of the world. I'm not going to make a big deal about it because it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Right. So, anyway. Um, <clears throat> on top of the, the Winter Classic, just before... Uh, Late Sunday night, um, as we're all relaxing after the Bears win and all this stuff, uh, the Blackhawks announced a trade. Uh, they announced they had traded Brandon Manning and the aforementioned Robin Rell, who is playing in Sweden right now, for Drake Kajula and Jason Garrison. Uh, Drake Kajula played at North Dakota with Nick Schmaltz, Luke Johnson, uh, Brock Besser, all those guys. Um, they, so they're all on the same team. It was really good that year. Uh, Kajul was actually second on the team in scoring and points ahead of Nick Schmaltz and well ahead of Luke Johnson. Um, Jason Garrison, he's, a, a, you know, 34, something like that. Yeah. 34-year-old uh, journeyman defenseman, played with Vegas last year, I think, but has been, you know, was playing a lot in uh, with the Wolves here in Chicago. And mm-hmm. um, he had played some games with Edmonton. It's just, you know, he's probably well past his expiration, uh, but would have necessarily, you know, could have been a, a decent addition in Rockford. 
they can't use them, you know, in, in the in the NHL. They have uh, they already have four or five different guys that are better than Jason Garrison probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brandon, they get rid of one problem, which is Brandon Manning. They had him signed for two years, so the the failure, the summer failure of Stan Bowman continues. Yeah. Uh, but they get really they get it off the books, which you know, hey, I, I got have to applaud them for that. And I, you know, we're we're definitely not really positive all the time, and you know, they want us to be. We hear so many times, oh, you're so negative, you hate everything, and all that. But man, come on. But mm. you know, Brandon Manning was not good. Uh, he wasn't a good signing then. Uh, you know, even when we knew that he was probably going to be signed by the Blackhawks. No one was jumping, you know, jumping, jumping around the streets, cheering, you know, they had this guy because they had a bunch of other guys just like him. Uh, but he's gone. They don't have to pay the next year, which is what he's like, what, 2.25 million. Yeah. So they get rid, they get that off the books. Uh, one of the, and, and probably the most expensive, uh, you know, five, six, seven guy that they had out there. Yeah. So, well, who, Ruta was the other one. Yeah. And they, they, it's funny because there was a rumor out there that, uh, and I forget where I actually heard it. It may have been somebody else's. So I'll apologize if I'm if I'm copping somebody else's rumor here. But um, uh, that uh, the Hawks actually held a conference call with several GMs or before Ruta was sent down and basically said, we have a couple of mistakes on our roster that we want to fix and we'll take any kind of bids that you can make on them. And, and Sure enough, in the last few weeks, Ruta was sent down and he was waived and uh, nobody claimed him. And then they traded Brandon Manning. And that to me, I'm guessing those were mistake A and mistake B that they were referring to if that rumor is in fact true. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, But this is, and we're very hard on Bowman, right? But this is a step in the right direction. At least now he's taking. He's always been good at shedding salary. He's always he's always been good at that. I think where where people you know get a little frustrated, maybe very frustrated, is that he you know he shed and he's he's had to shed salary, 2010, 2013, 2015, and and now in during the season in 2018, and the the feeling is is that he doesn't usually get very much back, or he doesn't get really value for value back, and. Uh, you know, we'll see with Kajula because he's basically the only the only thing of any value in this trade for either team. <laughs> so anyway, um, we'll see. Not too good, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and, and the other thing, too, is we were always, you know, we were harping on about them doubling down on their mistakes all the right. time. And right. this is an instance where he did not double down on his mistake. <laughs> He, right. They figured out it was a mistake, and they're getting it. You know, they're they're getting rid of it. And the the other times when it's happened, it's like he was almost forced to do it because, uh, you know, uh, Trevor Daly was you know, Quenville wasn't playing him, and uh, he wasn't playing well for Quenville, and they had to get rid of him. And then they took you know Skidari back, and that was a whole nightmare thing. And uh, but I mean, well, I can't possibly see you know. Jeremy Calton strutting into Stan Bowman's office saying, Hey, I'm not playing this guy or I don't like him or whatever, you know? Um, you know, I have a, I have another theory that I actually is becoming more than a theory. It's becoming more of a belief. Um, and that is, you know, the, the, the net effect of the last couple of years is that the Hawks have shed a lot of salary, you know, the host of trade and, and, uh, you know, the, there was 
you know, cap money recap from that, getting, you know, waving Ruta. Now they're, you know, they're, they're losing some salary with Manning, et cetera, et cetera, on down the line. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's created this belief or expectation on the part of some that, you know, that they're going to go crazy in free agency this year and go out and spend a lot of money and, and you know, revamp the team. I'm starting to wonder if this is basically it's just it's just dollars and cents. They're they're trying to shed as much salary as they can because sponsorships are off, ticket sales are off, and um, Rocky's pissed. You know, I, and I think there could be quite a bit of validity to that, and um, it might be a mistake to expect them to go out and spend twenty million in free agency this summer. And quite honestly, that may not be the best approach for this team either to do that. Um, this, but all this salary shedding could just be basically reducing the payroll because the revenue is not there anymore or not like it was. It, it could be, which yeah, hand in hand, it should be that they need to open up spots so they can bring in quality players. But <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, it's funny. I was sort of wargaming it out and I was thinking about it. I mean, um, and part of it was something that you had posted earlier in the day about how weak the goalie market is for free agents this summer. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, but so imagine, imagine that they go out after, say, Panarin and Eric Carlson. So they're going to end up having to overpay both guys lots of money, big money. Let's just say, for instance, um, and give them long term. Um, and, uh, you know, both of them at the, you know, at the end of their, these contracts are going to be in their early 30s. Um or, you know, say they go after Bobrovsky because he's like the only free agent goalie who's really worth pursuing, um, you know, assuming he, he hits free agency. Uh, I mean, they would have to overpay him. So, I mean, free agency for a team like the Hawks, especially with their core getting really old and obviously not what it once was, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, it's it's like it's basically kicking the rebuild can down the road a couple more years, but they're still going to have to do it because – Keith's going to be gone. Seabrook will be gone. I mean, Host is already gone. Taves will be 33. Kane will be 32. I mean, um, I don't know if, if that, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, that great of a strategy. And I don't know if, if that's what the Hawks are actually thinking. It may be that they're just paring down the salary as much as they can because the revenue's not there. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Either way, it's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, the, the, the goalie market, um, you got the two Russians, Bobrovsky and Varlamov. Varlamov's the other one, but I don't know. He's, he's, I mean, you're somebody's going to pay him a lot of money in free agency. Do you want to be that team? No, they're both thirty, too. Right? Or you know, Bob Rossi's going to be thirty, but uh, Varlamov is already thirty. Mike Smith, Jimmy Howard, can't. I mean, that drops off Pass. quickly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Now, granted, there are some. Now, this is this is sorted by salary, so there are some guys who are making little money. Uh, like Robin Lehner, who's in yeah. there. He's he's one of the best. He, I mean, his numbers right now are phenomenal. He's going to get paid. Yeah, he's going to get paid. Mrazic's in there. Uh, uh, Kel Peterson, who's going to be an RFA from L.A. Can't imagine they're going to let him go. Uh, yeah, Calendelia. <laughs> he's an RFA. So, yeah. well, th- I mean, that. we'll get back to the uh, the goalie thing and all that stuff. We'll finish up on the uh, on this this Manning Cajula trade. The way I look at it is Norell was never playing for the Blackhawks. He they was going to wait for his rights to expire or whatever. Uh, Manning, they didn't want him anymore. These were two players they had no desire to keep around. 
Yeah. They were just garbage. They had no use for either one of them. And I'm not meaning they're garbage players, but Manning, it could be debated. Robin Norrell looks like he has some, you know, some talent, but he may be, you know, Eric Gustafson uh, part two and not as good. Um, But these were two players they didn't want. They had no interest in, and they got at least one player back, right? Yeah. And they got Garrison back, but then as it unfolds, Garrison was put on waivers yesterday, but it was was actually put on unconditional waivers because he refused to report to Rockford. It looks like he's, as far as what Scott Powers says, it looks like he's going to retire instead of go to Rockford. So (laughs) a a fate... uh, Slightly less painful than death, right? <laughs> right. You're being very on dude. So, but Drake Ajula, he's a young guy, cost controlled for another year. He could play in the, 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 we're gonna, the questions are going to be asked later. I, maybe we should just bring it up now since we're already talking about him. Uh, sure. We got several questions regarding Drake Ajula. Uh, Joe Cromwell, Sean Mack, and Derek Ciavellis. Excuse me. All ask questions about Kajula. Where will uh, where will he fit on the team, or will he go to Rockford, or any of that stuff, um, or who goes down when with when Kajula finally signs because he's had problems with work visas, so he hasn't even reported to the team yet. Yeah. But uh, so I mean, that's uh, what they ask. That's what they want to know where where he's going to go. To me, he's a he's a third like a third line guy. Based on everything I've read and everything I've heard, he's got a third-line guy that can actually score some goals. He's got seven goals in like 20-something games. It's not too shabby. Yeah, third or fourth-line guy. Yeah. Um, and he, he's a guy He's a guy who's going to be, day in, day out, is going to be a lower-line player, but you could spot him, um, you know, in the top six if you, if you, you know, if you need to. Um, you know, he's a high-engine, high you know, excuse me, high-engine, high-motor uh, <laughs> <laughs> high motor um uh you know can play center can play can play wing um so it's hard to say you know who he bumps out of the lineup i i don't see them unless they really are again in 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 just cost cutting mode i don't see them waving kruger um but you never know i mean kruger's paid more than than guys like martinson or hayden um so it's possible what about um, what about waving kunitz oh uh, yeah I mean, there's another one. I mean, they could wave Kuhn and say he hasn't played lately. No, he hasn't played in for. He played like one game, and he was not good in that game. Yeah, they could wave Kunitz and and uh, you know. So yeah, that's a real possibility. As a matter of fact, that's probably the guy I would bet on. Um, yeah, I hope. Um, unfortunately, it, it it scares me when you know the the way they dragged Sharp through that last season when he wasn't good, he shouldn't have been out there, but they still dragged him through the end of the season. Hopefully yep. they don't try to pull that garbage, that nonsense with Kunitz. Uh, to me, uh, yeah, of course, Kunitz would be, you know, the obvious choice. Uh, yeah. I don't see, I, I like, I think they like Marcus Kruger still for right now. He's only here for one more year or, you know, yep. the end of this year. Uh, I think they're just going to do it. He's a lot more worthy than or worthwhile than Kunitz at yeah. this stage of their oh, career. Yeah. yeah. He does things. <laughs> yeah. But um, the guys who are uh, waiver uh, exempt are Cahoon, which they're not going to send down. They're not going to send him down. No, because he's got that, that European clause. I think they're afraid of that or whatever. Yeah. That he can go back to Europe. Well, some people blame him, too. Yeah. 
No, he's he's waiver exempt, so they wouldn't oh, okay. he he would pass through waivers. Uh Dylan Sakura, uh Dylan Strom, and uh Alex Debrinkit. Yeah. Uh, you gotta so, ask me out of those four, I'm sending Dylan Sakura back down. Yeah, that's possible. Um yeah. I was having a chat, or at least I was responding to a chat on our uh uh uh, message board, sorry, on our message board uh, about uh, how I had said, you know, I, I've seen enough of Dylan Sakura right, for right now. Like, he's been in there 10 games, he's got three assists, but he hasn't really, I mean, he's been okay. He hasn't killed him. His possession numbers look okay, but he's not, he's here to score or to set up goals. Yeah. That's what he's here for. That's his job. He's not, yeah. he's 155 pounds. He's not going to play fourth line. Like you can't move right. down to fourth line because <laughs> the fourth line starts three quarters of their draws in the Blackhawks zone. What right. is 155 pound Dylan Sakura going to do uh, when he's spending three out of every four faceoffs pinned in his own end? Right. That's just not going to work. And the, the third line has slightly less you know, uh, starts in the defensive zone, but they still do. There's supposed to be a shutdown defensive type line, but you got to have a guy, you know, Guys that are responsible on both ends of the rink. That's why they have David Kampf there. And, right. I mean, Alex Debrinkit is what Alex Debrinkit is. They, I think they, they've gone back to uh, hiding him on the third line to get more favorable matchups to get him more right. consistent. That's the only right. way I can see why he's playing on that third line. So you got Alex Debrinkit there who, defensively, he's okay at the best. And, and that's yeah. being, you know, that's being very generous. And you've got Camp, who's responsible on his own end. You, having Dylan Sakura there doesn't. You basically have two Alex Debrinkets, one that can score and one that can't. At this right. point in time, that's what you have. Uh, well, the the thing to, about Debrinket too is that he's Debrinket's pretty fearless. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's not a great skater. Um, you know, he's not great defensively, but it, but it, you know, offensively. He'll go in the corners and he will, he'll go to the front of the net. And, and, um, uh, he's like I said, he's pretty fearless. I think secure, I think a big part of his problem is that he did a lot of business in college, um, in the slot and he was basically untouched when he did. And they, you don't, you, you just can't do that in the NHL. Yeah. Um, it, it's a much more physical game and, um, than, than the NCAAs. And I think that's where his adjustment really is. And he's basically, He's kind. Of, he 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 was in front of the net on one of his assists yesterday, which was great. But um, I think for the most part, he's really adjusting to the physicality of the NHL, and he's having a hard time asserting his game in in the, the more physical nature of the NHL. And um, I so I think that they may send him down again. I mean, he wasn't doing that great in the AHL either. Actually, relatively speaking, he wasn't doing that well. Well, if if you ask all you know the mainstream, he's got a lot of shots on net, so he needs to be called up. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's just let him develop. I mean, if he's not, if he's not at least scoring, you know, every once in a while, which he's not, we're 10 games here. It's, you know, one eighth of the season for the Blackhawks. Um, it's a decent sample size. If he's not scoring goals and he's not getting a, t- you know, he's not getting a lot of good quality chances. He's getting, he gets one, you know, he's not, it's not like he's going to go out there and he's going to, uh, not get any ever like he's he's a talented player he's got talent he's he going to get scoring chances that's, that's obvious but he needs to be getting more scoring chances he needs to be in the top six he needs to be playing power play 
That's where he's going to be successful. He's not going to be successful on a third line trying to shut people down. Yeah. Like you, you can't just in theory, if you're playing video games, you could just throw guys on whatever line you want to throw them on. You could throw Patrick Kane on the fourth line, which, you know, of course has been done before, but that's for different reasons, but you could throw Patrick Kane on the fourth line and let him play there all the time and everything will work out wonderfully. But that's not how it works in the NHL. So you right. have to be slotted in and matched up with the, you know, against the players that give them the best chance to succeed. And right now, Dylan Sakura is being kind of sheltered on like a third line that should more be be more of a shutdown line. So he's being miscast, and yeah. he's not on top of it. He's not really scoring any goals. Send him back down. Bring someone up. Get one. You know, everyone wants to see the kids, and then the kids get here and they're just like. Well, what about the rest of the kids? You know, they forget about everybody else too. Like Anthony Lewis. I mean, why not give him a try? You know, give him a shot. I mean, I know he's a midget, but give him a shot. You know, he, he was scoring, you know, decently. Why isn't there some outrage that Anthony Lewis isn't here? Um, You know, and I, I'm not trying to be hard on anybody or, you know, I think it was Alan Parsons on the, on the, the message board with, I just kind of said, you know, I kind of just said all those things that uh, it, he's really kind of miscast, but he brought up a good point that like, you know, I said it was good that Brendan Perlini scored yesterday and it, and it is because you want to see that trade just turn into a, you know, a flat out theft because Dylan Strom has played very well. If they only got Dylan Strom back for Nick Schmaltz, They'd still be probably on the. They'd be dead, probably dead even. If Brendan yeah. Perlini can actually do something for this team, like this, this this trade's going to be a steal. Schmaltz is playing wing for Arizona. He's not playing center, right? Uh, I think it's been a little both. Okay. But there were games where I saw him lined up at uh, wing for sure. No, yeah, but I heard his like his face off percentage was something like twenty seven percent for yeah. Arizona. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the thing that, you know, again, everybody looks at the points and says, well, you know, that's how you evaluate the trade. But quite honestly, if their points are, are equal or roughly equal, but, um, you know, Strom is, is holding down essentially the second line center role and over 50 percent on faceoffs and, and, you know, helping out in different situations, that's a win for the Hawks. Because those are those are important things that you want from that you need from a center that Schmaltz was unable to provide. And, uh, you know, um, if all things, all else being equal, I'll take a, I'll take a, a solid center over a solid wing any day because the centers are more valuable. Yeah. And, and, and it's a lot easier to take someone who normally plays center, put them at wing to be able to fix yeah. your problem, you know, your whole right. wing, than it is right. to take a wing and, and try to make them into a center. Yes, indeed. So, you know, wing, and I'm not saying it's easy, but wing is probably the easiest position Yes, it is on the rank to play. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, I don't want to uh, don't at me on Twitter that because I'm not saying it's an easy position. I'm saying it's the easiest of the positions and anyone mm. who's played it will probably agree with that as well. So, but uh, yeah. So anyway, back to Perlini though. Perlini's numbers are not good. His possession numbers are not good. And I agree with him. You know what? If, if Perlini wasn't, you know, hasn't been playing better in the last you know couple of games, why I shouldn't be harder on Perlini. And I looked at it and I was like, you know, I thought about that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I should, probably should be a little harder on Perlini, but I did. I don't know that any of us really expected anything out of Perlini either. 
you know what team what, low he's a team low minus 12 he's tied with brent seabrook yeah but um, what we're expecting from dylan sakura should be well may maybe or maybe may maybe or maybe not should be more than we get out of brandon perlini yeah i mean it's curious only, only played 10 games i mean i i have no problem with them giving him a little bit longer of a look but you know yeah. Um, at some point, they're going to have to, you know, make a decision whether they want to keep him around or not I, this year. And, I, you know, where the best place for is for him to to develop. As I was just looking at this, um, something that I just noticed, which is another thing that would be interesting to take into account. Um, let's see. John Hayden, Alex DeBrinkett, Brennan Perlini, Dylan Strom, David Kampf, Dominic Cahoon are all the same age or younger than Dylan Sakura. Wow. Yeah. Dylan Sakura is 23. Cahoon and Kampf are 23. So is John Hayden. Uh, DeBrinkett's 21. Perlini's 22. Strom is 21. So that just goes to show you, you know, he where he should be those should be his peers right yeah i mean is he showing you more than he's than david camp no is he showing you more than dylan strom no uh perlini probably uh debrinkett certainly not uh john hayden eh. but uh yeah there there there's his his peers at that well, point here's here's one important distinction between um debrinkett strom and i believe perlini as well as they all played major junior um, and you know, uh, secure did not, you know, yeah. he played college and, um, you know, that, that may have, that may make his, I, I believe generally speaking, not always, but in a lot of cases, the, the kids who play three, four years in college have a tougher adjustment to pro hockey than the kids who play junior. That's, but that's a very broad generalization and yeah. not always the case, but I think generally speaking, that's true. Come on, man. <laughs> Also, Gustav Forsling and Carl Dahlstrom are the same age or younger than uh, Dylan Sakura. So, again, that that that's his pure group right there. And oh, uh, very young team now. Yeah, and Anthony Lewis, same age as uh, Dylan Sakura. So, <clears throat> there you go. Anyway, so the, uh, that's the trade. Uh, I I foresee him on the to, to get back to the original point i see kajul playing third line third line wing uh with you know camp and uh probably at this point in time probably be going to be alex to um and then we'll see where they go you know maybe they like that uh that grit from drake kajula and uh caligula know. yeah caligula yeah caligula not not i don't know how many people are going to understand that that listen to us <laughs> Do we have a lot of old folks? Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. Frank uh, Fork named him Caligula. Yeah. Well, they, 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 well, that's because that's Fork. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, all right, moving on. Um, the, the Garrison thing we did talk about, too, it looks like he's going to retire, so he's not going to report. So the, the Blackhawks will get that. Uh, the Blackhawks actually get two contracts off their books, or one contract off their books. Um, but take one back. So uh, that's good for them because they were at 49, which meant they probably couldn't assign anybody even if they needed to. They would have had to uh, let somebody go. 
So uh, the World Juniors, we just uh, we kind of talked about that. We talked about Ian Mitchell had scored the goal. I confirmed it was Ian Mitchell that scored. Uh, the USA is going to be playing. Actually, I think they're just starting in a little bit. Uh, they're warming up right now. So the U.S. Um, as of right now, and I, I don't have the updated stats for the Swiss the Swiss Sweden game, but I don't think Kurashev, Kurashev or whatever he is. I don't think he scored or hit any points, but I don't know for sure. But he was up in the top, top two, three uh, for the leading scorers in World Juniors. He had five goals, one assist uh, for Switzerland, which is uh, that's promising. He's a center, uh, decent size. He's not huge, but he's a decent sized center. So it's nice to see that the Blackhawks have some centers that actually yeah. are bigger than you know five foot four and one hundred and thirty three pounds. So uh, that's uh, that's good to see. Uh, you know, who knows what he's gonna? He, he plays in the QMJHL, but who knows what he's gonna do in the in the pros? But it's at least nice to see to have uh, at least in his peer group that he's uh, excelling. Uh, Boquist uh, on Sweden, he's got four points. Uh, Mackenzie Entwistle on uh, Canada, he's got three goals. Uh, Yoki Haru's got three points well, for Finland. Kurt Jeff is six foot, one hundred ninety pounds. Yeah. 19 years old. Yeah. Played for the Quebec Remparts. So, like I said, he's he's not big, but he's bigger than, you know, some of these other guys that they had. Uh, Ian Mitchell, as I talked about before, he got a goal, so he's got three points, a goal and two assists for Canada. Uh, Evan Barrett, he had a goal for U.S. in the first game they played. Looked really good. Was the best player on the ice. And then has kind of gone silent ever since. So I don't know if he's heard. Or I don't know what's going on. I haven't been able to watch any many more games. And uh, Galvis, Jakob Galvis, he's a, a defenseman on the Czech team, who I believe is uh, who the U.S. is going to be playing. Uh, he had an, an assist, but uh, I've read good things about what he's doing. So uh, <clears throat> anyway, so that's the World Juniors. Uh, that's going to end up soon. Uh, the Blackhawks are. You know, they have a pretty nice, uh, healthy showing of young players yeah. there. Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, you know, some in in years past, you know, some of the guys who stepped up in the World Juniors have become, you know, great players for the Hawks. Uh, most notably, Nicholas Jalmerson, I believe in the 2006, 2006 World Juniors. I think he was, you know, he was a stud and uh he really developed. And then there's some other guys that, you know, have had good world juniors and have not been great, you know, pros like um, Adam Clendenning. Um, so you never know, you know, Saad, his last world juniors was not great, but then he, you know, he's playing in the NHL a couple years later and winning Stanley cup. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a decent indicator. It's not always a be all end all indicator. For sure. The Evan bear thing too. We brought up earlier that, uh, that Ian Mitchell seems like he might go back to college. Uh, I, I'm really curious, and I kind of brought this up in our private chat, about what happens with Evan Barrett if he continues to lead the NCAA in scoring, uh, if Stan doesn't run out there and try to sign him. Uh, I, I'm very curious. That That's the one player who I think they could run out there and you know pull the you know late-year Sakura kind of thing uh, after his college season's over, whenever that ends. I don't know. Uh, it'll be, uh, right now. I don't know what, you know, we don't know what their direction is. So we, 
you know, well, I could do this or they could do that because we don't, they don't have a defined direction. Right. So it, it makes it really difficult to, to try and predict what's going to go on. But uh, keep your eye on Evan Barrett. He's uh, like, I, like, like when we were talking uh, to the guy from Penn State with, uh, with Aaron, uh, he's basically like a, a Andrew Shaw type player. He's not as, he didn't seem as goofy out on the ice, like as crazy and, you know, flopping around and, and acting and, and, you know, putting on that, putting on that show in, in front of the crowd. But he's got that hard edge to him. He likes to, you know, dig in the corners. He's, you know, he'll get into a, a little scrap every now and then, which is, you know, you don't see a lot of that from Blackhawks. And, uh, you see something they don't have really a lot of in the organization and they seem to like that kind of player. I mean, they, when, when, Shaw, I, I, I didn't understand at the time when I saw Shaw come first come into a prospect camp and how much time, special time they were giving him, pulling him aside. Like they were literally pulling him aside and teaching him how to fight. I yeah. saw them after practice. They, I, I don't remember who the other player was there. It was like Steven Johns, I think, or something at the time. And, uh, he was basically, they were basically uh, showing him how to fight. And, and the, the assistant coaches were coming out there and showing Andrew Shaw how to fight. <laughs> I don't think they're going to go that far with uh, Evan Barrett because I think maybe he has more offensive skill. But uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where they go. So anyway. Um, so going, we're, we're halfway through the new year. Uh, I just I do want to mention too, Patrick King was... Uh, announced on the all-star team or the, for the all-star game. Uh, he's the only one that was, you know, initially brought in, I guess I just saw something quoted, uh, from Elliot Friedman about, uh, there, uh, you can vote players in or something. And Taves still has a, uh, chance to be voted into the game. But as of right now, it looks like, uh, Patrick Kane is going to be the only Blackhawk in that game. Uh, also he was, I think what first star of the month or week or something like that. I also saw today and it doesn't really interest me too much, but it was announced and, and he was acknowledged. So, <clears throat> yeah, so, I'm trying to remember how many Hawks were in the all-star game last year. I don't even remember. Yeah. It seems like forever ago, probably not yeah. many cause they were pretty bad at the time. Yeah. It was probably Kane and that's it. Yeah. Maybe Taze. Yeah, but uh, so anyway, as we sit at the halfway point of the season with tomorrow, the Islanders, you know, and Blackhawks uh, basically kick off the second half of the season for Chicago. Uh, they're 15, 21 and six, which is basically 15 and 27. Right. Um, so they're basically 12 games under 500. Uh, they have 36 points. They're sixth in the central um, and they're 27th overall. So they've kind of moved up the standings a little bit. Their goal differential hasn't changed. They're still like negative 31 face-off percentage. They're tied for 15th. They're right in the middle of the league, which is better than, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd rather be in the middle than the bottom third. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's because they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're playing centers who are better at face-offs than yeah. what they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Camps are right. Kruger's good. Uh, Strom, actually, Strom's. I was surprised. Strom's faceoff percentage with the Blackhawks is like forty six percent. Yeah, and that's Kruger's. Like Kruger's in that zone too. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, that's certainly better than forty, which is what Anisimov and 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 Schmaltz were giving you. 
or so, even lower, I mean, like we were talking about earlier. Incremental improvement. Yeah. Yeah. So um, their PK is still terrible. They're 31st in the league. Uh, it's 73.6%, and they're a full percentage point and a half uh, lower than the 20 or than the 30th team. So they're really at the bottom by a long shot. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think, as I looked up the list, I don't think any teams were separated by that many points. Um, the PP, uh, the power play, they're up full two, uh, full two percentage points uh, to 15%. Uh, they're tied at 25th. So they're not last or second to last. They actually moved up because they've had a couple power play goals. And yeah. I think, uh, were we talking about this in the chat? I don't know, but um, it looks like they're moving the puck faster, yeah, like they we should have been doing. You know, it doesn't look like they're doing that pushing back thing as much anymore. Yeah, and they're actually playing like a real power play instead of playing that that nonsense that you know, fluky nonsense crap with the the pushing back defense. Yeah, so push back. Yeah, that just doesn't work for them. So uh, that's good to see. The, the at least one of their special teams is getting better. Uh, yeah. 16th in goals for uh, 30th in goals against. And they've actually improved a little bit in the goals against area. Uh, <laughs> shots against the game, 32 point or 34.2, which is the same uh, Their uh, Their possession numbers went down over the last two weeks since we podcasted last. Uh, Corsi and Fenwick both went down. Uh, high danger save percentage is up to eighth in the league uh, at 84%. And uh, their five-on-five save percentage went up six spots to 19th. So thank you, Colin Delia. What's that? It's probably Delia. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Colin. I mean, his, his uh, uh, save percentage, five-on-five, five, is ridiculous. It's like 960-something. It's never going to stay there. No. But, but for three or four games, like it, that, that, that just goes to show you it'll boost boost you up the uh, standings a little bit if he comes back down (coughs) excuse me he comes back down to earth that's gonna come crashing down to earth too but uh so anyway yeah um yeah so that's where we stand right now i mean what do you think uh we're we're what 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 kind of path do we need we need to see here going uh in, in the final 40 i you know honestly I, again, I mean, this this goes back to you know what's the plan? You know what what, are the, what do they want? What do they want to do? Do they want to lose you know lose games, and you know develop players through through this process of you know because they have a lot of young guys now, you know, and and there's an argument that some of them really aren't NHL ready, but they're here. Um, so are they trying to do that and you know get a high draft pick again? Um, Again, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with the trade deadline. You know, do they move as as rumored, um, you know, that Keith has been shopped around and is being shopped around and perhaps others? Um, or do they continue to hold on to these guys and, you know, continue this sort of soft rebuild or si- silent rebuild, as we've called it, um, which doesn't seem to really be working? And it has not really worked over the last couple of years. It's not working this year. Um, or, you know, are they just going to continue? Is, are they tanking without officially tanking and just selling off, you know, any any contract that they just don't feel is providing any value at all 
um, and, you know, basically trying to kind of just balance the books that way because they're not making as much money and selling as many tickets. I don't know. I, I It's going to – the trade deadline, the next month, how they play over the next month, and then what they do with the trade deadline, it's it's going to speak volumes. We'll, we'll know then. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're not they're not tipping their hat at all. <laughs> no. Other than the fact that they're they're trying to correct mistakes, if rumors are to be believed, and um, you know, is Kunitz one of those mistakes? I mean, I've I've heard people suggesting on Twitter that they trade Kunitz. They're not they're not going to get anything for Kunitz. You know, it's going to be they're going to have to waive him. Um, and uh, you know, it's. It, that's that's probably what they're going to do. That may be their next move. Is 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 when Kajula comes in town that they'll they'll probably waive Kunitz, um, you know. And but it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, Kajula's not going to make that much of a difference, and Kunitz isn't doing anything now. So I mean, it, that's not going to matter this year. Or, um, the big question is next year and the year and and the year after. I mean, you know, what are they going to do to to create an fusion of high-end talent high-end young talent because the young talent that they have is not showing itself to be really high-end no and it's not. i'm sorry if people don't like hearing that it's true i mean the brickett's a nice player but he's not a great player you know um gustafson is good offensively he is absolutely god-awful defensively and he and no it's not a question of teaching him how to play defense yo because <laughs> they, they He's been here for three and a half years, and he's, he, it's the same crap over and over again. And to assume that Joel Quenville and, and Ulf Samuelson and even Mike Kitchen were, weren't trying to teach him, it's just, come on, let's, let's, let's deal in reality here. His defense sucks, and it's, I don't think it's going to get better. He's just he's a moron. Um, sorry, <laughs> I, he just drives me insane. As this someone, aggression as will not stand, friend. man. <laughs> I mean, so, but, but again, I mean, these, these young players that are supposedly the future of the team, um, none of them have, are stepping up, you know, like a Patrick Laine or a uh, McDavid or a, a Tarasenko. I mean, there's nobody in that class. And those are the guys you need if you want to get back to winning Stanley Cups. Yeah. Um, multiples of them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and hey, hey, they say, uh, so, the Blues I mean, are saying they, that uh, Tarasenko could be, be on the... Pardon me? I was going to say the blue. Uh, I heard the Blues were saying that uh, Tarasenko could be on the block. Uh, Gotta go get him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm with you. I don't think they're going to cut bait with Kunitz. And if they if anyone wanted Kunitz, I think the Blackhawks would gladly trade him. Oh yeah. But I don't no, think anyone wants him. him. Yeah, yeah. Someone has to want the player. It's like the right. Brent Seabrook thing, and and now and actually that's a good segue too into the Brandon Davidson thing. He was put on waivers. He's got to be sent down or whatever. I, I I'm watching uh, Edmonton's Twitter feeds, and they're all like, "Go out and get Brandon Davidson. Please take him off the Blackhawks' hands. Take Ruta too. <laughs> like, please, you'd be doing everybody a favor if you want him back. Take him." No one wants Brandon Davidson right now. He was another mistake. This summer, at least three out of the four players that they brought in have been complete and utter disasters. Cam yeah. Ward's been okay. That's it. Yeah. Actually, Ward's actually been uh, – his numbers are terrible, but he's he's had no help either. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think he's, – he's actually kind of exceeded my expectations a little bit. Um, 
he's been very good in a few games, you know, really good in a few games. And then he's had some other games that weren't that, that great. Um, but he's certainly not had a lot of support. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, well, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. I, I want to see, I, I, and I'm going to keep saying it until it happens. I want to see some chaos. I want to see something happen. I want to see something big. You know, yeah, me I, too. I mean, right now, you know, Dylan Strom showing up has been nice. And Drake Kajula for uh, Brandon Manning, it's nice. But uh, I want to see something happen. Something that lights the fly, lights that fire again. Yeah. Because right now... Get, get people excited. Because I, I, I think that they're desperately trying to spin what they're doing as, as, you know, big, exciting moves. And prosperity is just around the corner. But I don't think anybody's buying it. They really don't. If they are, they're dumb. Well, there's yeah, and there's a there's a few diehards out there who will just you know keep living the dream or, or dreaming the dream, if you will, because you can't live the dream because it's 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 a it's hollow, it's false. But um, but there's some, but but most, I think I think the vast majority of fans are, are where we are. They are. Um, it's it's you know the belief is, that, and I hear I, we get questions all the time, like are they really rebuilding or what are they doing? And those that's the right question. That's the right question. We don't have the answer. We don't. We won't know until probably the trade deadline. Then we will have a better idea. Hopefully. Yeah. They could always screw that up too, and that wouldn't. You know, it actually wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they deal Keith, you're not dealing him to lose his cap hit because his cap hit is actually pretty good for for the player he still is. You're dealing him to get some some building blocks. Um, and some, you know, some, a high draft pick and, or, you know, a really nice prospect and a nice young player. Um, and I, I personally, I believe Keith will still bring you that from the, from in the right deal at the deadline that 30 teams aren't going to give you that for, for Keith, but there are probably four or five out there who need that, you know, experienced left side defenseman who could still, you know, shut guys down. I mean, that's the, the, somebody will pay you for that at the deadline. But they got to step up and do it. It's and there's going to be unpopular with some people because some people still think this team's going somewhere the next couple of years. It's not. No, no. Yeah, stop, <laughs> stop, stop drinking the Kool Aid and just understand. You know, be realistic about this. Otherwise, you're just a meatball idiot, and everyone thinks you you're dumb as hell, <laughs> including, me. Including, including me. Including me. Is the whole world gone crazy? <laughs> Uh, so, all right. Yeah. We talked about that, the lines and everything. Um, let's get into some questions. We'll get out of here for the night. Uh, we talked about that one question with Kajula. Um, this is the one I kind of mentioned to you earlier from Matt Wood. When do you think the next trade will happen and who will it be for? You are the rumor guy. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to be the first to admit the the rumor mill has has slowed down quite a bit the last couple of years. And um, the but the one guy that I'm hearing pretty consistently about from several sources is Keith, that they're that they're shopping Keith around. And, uh, you know, and invariably when I you know tweet that out, you know, somebody will will come back with your your it's not happening. Well, OK. Tell me why it's not happening, because I can give you reasons why it might be. Plus, I mean, I'm not making it up. This, this is what I'm hearing from people both in the United States and in Canada um, and people who've been right about things before. So, um, 
it, it, the logic of trading Keith for this team is actually quite high. Sure, he has a no movement clause, but no movement clauses can be waived. And sure, there's the cap recapture issue, and that to me is probably the the biggest stumbling block potentially. Um, but I I have to think that there's a way that they they can get around that, and I think they probably knew that when they signed him to the deal way back when that there was some kind of a of an escape you know plan on that too. So. Um, He's the guy I hear about. I think they would love to deal Anisimov, but it, allegedly at the trade deadline last year, Columbus, the best Columbus would offer for him was a third round pick. And, um, you know, but again, Anisimov now is a wing um, and not even a center anymore for your team. And he's making four and a half million dollars a year. So he's another guy I could, I could see them moving him, but I wouldn't expect much in return. Um, gosh. Um, who else? Um, I haven't heard any rumors about Kander Taves. Um, I have actually heard people theorizing or, you know, people. I think last year there was a rumor about Taves. And, and basically what I heard was is Taves isn't getting moved unless he asks to be moved and he hasn't asked. Um, I think Taves is probably the last guy in this team they trade, honestly. Um, trying to think anybody else. So, I mean, you know, some of the young guys could get they, – they could – you know they are, as you mentioned at the top, Jeff. They're they're stacked at um at, at the prospect level for left side puck rushing defensemen. They've got a lot of them, you know. And if they're planning on Gustafson being around, um, then and you know, um, Bodin and um, Mitchell, um, you know, they've got a lot of guys who kind of fit that 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 profile. One of those guys could get moved, get packaged up and moved if they can get some value back. Um, Seabrook, again, I don't think he's getting moved because of that contract is basically an albatross and nobody's going to take it on. Um, I don't think the Hawks could even retain salary on him because they'd, they'd be on the hook for five more years, you know? So, um, but I, I would guess Keith is probably next, um, possibly an Isamov and possibly some, some younger guys or prospects could be moved out too. You know, I could even see a team making a move for Kruger if they needed a depth center at the deadline. That's possible too. Yeah, but I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that Kruger's being moved. Right. But, yeah. but I have the guys I've heard about have been Keith and Anisimov. So you heard it. You heard it here first. John Jekyll just says all the names on the roster and sees what sticks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> did I do that? I don't think I did that. No, no, you didn't at all. That's why. I, that's why the sarcasm. Is the whole world gone crazy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's irresponsible to say that it's you know only could be two guys. I mean, yeah, because I don't think that's the case. I think this is a team that, quite honestly, has to be creative and um, in terms of you know what they're willing to do to improve the team. And as as such, there may be some surprises. I mean, it could be one of those guys that we think that that they would never deal if they got just a, a killer offer. Um, you never know, but. I don't know, because I think that the, this front office is still in the mode of gauging trades in terms of popularity with the fan base and impact on ticket sales right now, um, which is probably not healthy or wise in terms of a long term um, rebuild strategy, if there is one. But I think that's where they're at still. I think they're still kind of conflicted about how willing they are to really you know, tear down and uh, tank, if you will, to get better, you know, much better in the long run. Yeah, and I, I got to think that there aren't many people that you know GMs are going to call Stan Bowman and he's going to say no to getting rid of for a you know for a respectable return. 
uh, you know, you might want to hang on to Debrinkit, okay? Um, but, you know, as you said, probably Taves, they're not going to probably approach him and be like, hey, you want to go? Unless he says he wants to go. And Kane, maybe right. not either. Uh, he, right. They may be more willing to move him, but it may be, you know, very close to the same scenario. Other than that, like, who do you say no to if you can get something of quality or something that helps your team back? Yeah. You know, I mean, Boakvist, maybe. I mean, what what if they offer you something good? You know, uh, uh, what is it, Sergachev or something or uh, whatever. Yeah, if they are, if they offer, you know, yeah, a Sergachev or you know a real, a, a, you know, a stud right side defenseman who's young and, and has upside. Yeah, you'd have to look at that. But you know, they passed on Noah Dobson in order to take Boakvist. Yeah, you know, so. Uh, they they really like him, and I, I really like him. I mean, I just hope he stays healthy and his brains don't turn into scrambled eggs before he reaches the NHL. Because I think yeah. you know, if he, if that doesn't happen, he's going to be a big star. There's no question. He's just got incredible puck skill, and he can skate, and uh, just really smart the way he thinks the game. Um, you know, off the charts. Um, and I think that you know that young era Carlson descriptor is is very fitting for him. Um, it's just a question of whether, you know, physically he's going to be, he's going to be, you know, solid and ready to go in a couple of years. And, and there's no, there's no reason to think he won't be beyond the fact he's had a couple of concussions. Right. Yeah. He's still got some time and he's a little raw. That's fine. But yeah. he's, he is young. So yeah, I agree with you that he's going to be, you know, he's going to be good. But that being said, if you can get a known asset that you really need, um, do you, you know, do you consider it? Sure. You, you consider it. <laughs> it. It just, whether you think you're getting equal value back or not, but uh, I can't see them being like, no, Boakvist, no, you know, if other than, uh, you know, if they were trying to, some team is trying to lowball them. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I think that I, I think that they're really in love with him and, you know, and Bowman, Bowman falls in love with, you know, as much as he's corrects the Brandon, uh, Mannings and the, uh, you know, the Jan Rudas, um, he, he does fall in love with certain players. I mean, that's, I think that's in part why Secura is still around right now. And, uh, um, you, you know, I don't think, I don't think to break it, they would trade for anything less than a really handsome return. Um, I think that they, they might be willing to deal, to deal Brandon Saad, but I don't know. I, I'm not sure I would want to deal him. Maybe he's, he's actually, for what the player he is at the salary he's paid, he's 25 years old. He's won two Stanley Cups. He's he's a tremendous athlete, very versatile, great two-way player. I don't. I think he's a guy you hold on to to be part of your future because of his age and his his, his achievement already at, at this age. But you know, again, if they got knocked out, but I don't see somebody giving them a knockout offer for Sod either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's gonna. Yeah. It's going to be very curious. Hopefully we, we start hearing some things heat up for the, uh, the trade deadline this year. It's a big day, right? You know, another, I've heard other people say this. I have, I have not heard this myself because I don't know where the organization organization stands on this guy, but another guy I've heard mentioned as being a a trade possibility. This is by fans, not necessarily sources is Gustafson. You know, it, you know, is there a team out there that's going to fall in love with his offensive ability and be willing to kind of bite the bullet on his defensive shortcomings, you know, to, to get him at the deadline. And would, if, if somebody offered, offered you say a late first round pick for him, which is like, which is conceivable. If a team was really in love with him, 
and what he can do offensively. Is that something the Hawks should do? Shortcomings? So we're just done with phrasing, right? That's not a thing anymore? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I If anyone if anyone fell in love with that guy, I'd, I'd get what I could for him right now because... Well, that's how you and I feel. You know, there's some other people who agree with this, but then there's some other people who think that, you know, this guy is a budding superstar and, you know... You, his defensive shortcomings because he, he's certain he's certain to become better defensively because no one's coached him to this point. So with no small amount of sarcasm on my part, <laughs> uh, you know, but you know, there are those of us like you and I who believe, yeah, if you could get a decent uh, draft pick or a, you know, a prospect who really fill, fills a need uh, like maybe a young goalie prospect, for example, um, you know, I would do it. Yeah. Cause I just, I don't think he's a guy. Yeah, you're going to win a Stanley Cup with 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 the Blackhawks anyway. And there's three other guys in the system who are better versions of Eric Gustafson. Like Boquist, maybe Ian Mitchell, you know, yeah, at least, at the very least. And there may be more than that. So I mean, if, if Boquist, Bodin, and Mitchell all develop as they think he might, then yeah, we're, you know... Then you got to <clears throat> excuse me. Then you you've got to play uh, Gustafson on the right side, <clears throat> which is probably not his best side. Yeah. And, uh, you know, none of those three guys are probably going to be that good defensively where they can you know anchor him. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. a reason they're playing with Keith because Keith can can cover for a lot of his defensive weaknesses. Yeah. You know, the same way they played uh, Jalmerson with Brian Campbell back in 2009. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, I, I certainly would not be opposed to those uh, fireworks in that chaos, getting him out of town. Uh, uh, I, you know, I'd be sorry to see Duncan Keith go. I mean, he's been oh yeah foundational, you know, to the success of this team over the last ten years, and maybe not appreciated as much as he should have been. I mean, he was at 2015 Stanley Cup. He was ungodly how good he was. And, uh, I mean, I would, I, it would be a shame, but at the same time, I mean, if it gave him an opportunity to go and spend the last couple of years of his career, you know, with a great team and maybe win another Stanley cup, I, I, I then I wouldn't feel bad for him. And if it brought back, you know, the building blocks that, you know, could help really turn this organization around and get them back, you know, heading back to elite status again, then I think you, you got to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were we were talking about Strom earlier, and I wanted to kind of bring this up. And and you know, I don't I don't know one for one comparison here, but Nick Schmaltz was what he was. He wasn't he wasn't physical. He wasn't like he was not a, a second line center. No, I don't know what kind of you know where he fits in at the center position at any team, but he was not a second line center. You know, your your first line center is going to be your money guy. You know, he's going to get all your worst matchups. He's going to get all this stuff, but um. You know, your second line center, a lot of times you see like a, a Ryan O'Reilly or a right. Bernie Nichols for the Blackhawks. Actually, Ryan O'Reilly is not a terrible comparator for Strom. More than Strom, but, you know, they're they're both, I think they're both about the same size. Um, neither are going to win foot races up and down the ice, but both are guys who are effective. And, and you know, Strom has not been hugely effective to this point in his career but i don't know it's like he's getting better every game with the hawks yeah and i you was know, thinking bernie nichols like, a little bit 
Carter there. Pardon me? No, I was thinking like not not as much of a scorer, but definitely a playmaker is like Bernie Nichols. He was kind of a bigger dude. He wasn't super fast. Yeah. He was a bigger player, you know, didn't move. He, you know, he was a really good playmaker. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, I could see, you know, Strom turning into that, that nice secondary option. He's you know, young. Strom reminds me a little bit of Jason Spezza. Yeah. That too. Um, Spezza was a really good shooter or is a really good shooter and, and he's big and, and not, not fast afoot at all. Um, but, and I think over the course of his career, I think there were high expectations to not unlike Strom coming into the league and Spezza maybe never quite lived up to his expectations, but he also, uh, you know, didn't always play in the best teams. And, and, and I mean, people in the game would talk about his skill level and how good of a player he was um, that fans maybe didn't appreciate sometimes, but um, I think there's a comparator there too. But, and, and I mean, if, if Strom ends up being that kind of, that good, or like Bernie Nichols, or um, you know, who was the other guy I was just talking about that I would compare? Well, Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's a huge win for the Hawks. And I again, this is a guy 21 years old, you know, yeah. and he had huge numbers in junior. And um, I mean, he he does think. I mean, not afraid to go to the front of the net. He you know he can he can set up plays. He can finish plays. Um, I don't know. I, I I like Strom so far. Yeah, I do too. I'm I'm pretty happy with what I've seen out of him. So don't, I don't want to hear any more of this. We're too negative stuff. I think we had a lot of positive lately. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, relatively speaking anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as much as we possibly can in this. Um, So anyway, Clay, uh, Clay Bandow, why is Cahoon getting more playing time than to bring it? There are are huge point production differences. I don't think, um, first of all, I don't think I want to bring it on the right wing. Okay. No, he's better on the left side. I, they, they, yeah, they like him better on the left side. So that that's a big difference. They like to have a res, a defensively responsible wing playing with Jonathan Taves. Yeah, and that's what Cahoon is shown to be. Now he's not showing as much offensively. Uh, you know, he's kind of disappears at times for long stretches, uh, and that doesn't you know absolve him of any of that. But I, I think the, the more of the, the the type of winger. You know, they got Brandon Saad and Dominic Cahoon, both two-way wingers, solid, got, they have skill, they can score, they can play make. And Jonathan Taze is a lot of the same thing. It's basically three of the same kind of players. Yeah. You know, they can do everything. And I think that's uh, probably what Jen, I can only imagine, and I'm only guessing, what Jeremy Colleton is seeing in this. And that Alex it maybe... You know, Jeremy Kelton sees that he's he's more of a secondary player. Maybe you know playing him. I don't, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't like playing him between Strom and Kane, but with Strom there, I'd be a little more comfortable than I would have been with Nick Schmaltz there. Yeah, because uh, you know Strom can play you know some defense. He's he can win a faceoff. He can do some things like dig the puck out deep. Uh, he's got size that he can get his body in there and do that. So. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I they they I can only assume that they like his two way game, and that's why he's getting more time than Debrinket. And Debrinket's kind of. And, and I think you'd you, you'd really touch on it. They they want they like Debrinket at left wing, and they like um, you know they like Cahoon on the right side, and um, I think that's what it is. It's you know, and, and a lot of coaches believe in sticks, and I I, I personally you know having having played. Center, right wing, and left wing quite a bit growing up, um, 
you know, I, I much more prefer to play center or right wing. I just, I could not handle playing left wing. It just felt totally counterintuitive to me. Now I didn't play nearly at the level of these guys play, but I mean, when you talk to NHL players there, there's a lot to be said for sticks and some guys will say that ah, it doesn't matter. And there are some guys for whom it doesn't matter. They can play either side equally well, but most guys have a preference and most guys are better on one side or the other. And I think, you know, Dubrinkit's a shooter, you know, and as a, as a right-hand shooter, you want him on the left, left-hand side of the ice because he's got better angles on the goalie. And um, he's just, he's just better over there. It's obvious. And, um, so that's probably the main reason that Cahoon is playing with Taves and Saad and to break it's playing lower down. Right. Uh, and her, our, one of the, one of our favorite Twitter accounts, Throbin for guests. <laughs> <laughs> now that the uh, most important game of everyone's lives is over and judging by <laughs> their was- recent record, all the problems are solved permanently on this team. Should Bowman start forcing Kane to sit and help this year's draft pick? More seriously, should he trade big names sooner to help the tank for better or for better picks? Or is that a no-no in hockey land his career? It would suck to only get the eighth pick after this crap hole of a year. I cannot disagree with any of that. It would suck if they got like the eighth pick again. If they can get in the top five, and that's what I'd like to see, at least. Yeah, I don't think this draft is as good or as deep as last year's was either. Um, I haven't really heard one way or the other, but last year's was kind of a, you know, generational quality draft. Um, if you listen to the scouts and, and the the reputable draft reporters. Um, yeah, I... I Again, is you know, are they do still doing the silent rebuild, which is kind of the half pregnant? We're not really rebuilding. We're not. We're not really um, going for it. Obviously, um, that's possible. You know, are they going to uh, at the at the trade deadline, especially if they have a bad January, which looks quite possible? Are they going to then you know move a couple of big veteran contracts and really seriously get down to the work of rebuilding, or or uh, door number three, which is becoming more and more of a plausible theory, which is they're just going to try to get rid of as much salary as they can because they're not making as much money. And yeah, if that gets them a higher draft pick, great. Um, and, uh, you know, they may do a little bit in free agency this summer, but it, it really what it's about basically is just being more fiscally responsible and, you know, keep telling the fans that everything's great. I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those three. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm in for the tank, you know, but uh, you can only do so much. There's while some players will sit and pout and complain and go in, go into slumps. Uh, I don't think Patrick Keane's one of them. I think uh, he'll score a thousand goals if he can. No, so, uh, Taves and Kane are, are never going to stop competing, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and that's one of the things about that makes both of them great. Why probably neither of them is getting traded, um, you know. But but otherwise, yeah, I mean, uh, I, yeah, my my personal preference would be that they tank. Then again, I don't own the team. You know, I don't have millions of dollars at stake, you know, like Rocky Words does. So, um, you know, or my job isn't at stake because they've stopped selling tech. It's like maybe perhaps John Dunn's job is at stake or Bowman's. So it's it's easier for, for me to say that. But I mean, I, I, you know. And I've said this on this show before, and I'll say it again. I mean, I go back with this team to the, the late 1960s, and, and I mean, 
I lived through a lot of bad years with mediocre teams, with the front office not being honest with the fans about what they were doing and why they were doing it. And, and you know, the Doug Gilmores and the Michael Grosics and, and Enrico Ciccone and all that crap that we had to put up with for so many years. Um, you know, this last 10 years, yeah, I mean, I've gotten spoiled. I, I want something like that again. And I, I personally am willing to go through two or three horrible years horrible year and people forget that right before this team started to come together and gel in like 2007 2008 Dale's talent tanked like like late 2004 2005 2006 and traded off everything he had Steve Sullivan Al Jamnoff etc and a lot of those picks turned into you know part of the supporting cast or or you know then and the tank got the Hawks the in position to pick Taves and in position to pick Kane and, um, you know, that's what it's going to take if, they, if this team really wants to get back to being a great team again. The, the, the course they've been on the last two or three years is leading only to mediocrity. So I don't know. Are they going to change? I don't know. Well, we've got uh, just under two months to find out, huh? Well, yeah. At least for now until yeah. the draft. All right. Well, that does it for questions. I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah. You got any, any any last thoughts that you've been stewing on over the holidays with the Blackhawks, or are we good? We can get, can we get out of here. Uh, no, I, I think that's that's really that's really all I got for now. Um, I'm looking forward to this month, though. I'm looking forward to see you know, um, if you know where this team. I, I personally, I'm starting to get a little more excited about Colleton. I'm seeing the team doing some things and some little little wrinkly moves that he's making that. Um, have probably have helped this team, you know, pick it up a little bit. And um, I, it doesn't seem like they're not trying like like they were before the team got hot. It seems like they got a little, little bit of an injection of excitement and, and um, you know, um, energy. Um, and I hope they can keep that going because it's certainly better than watching than what we were watching before. But um, so that's that's encouraging. Um, you know, guys like Strom, I'm encouraged to to see him and see you know how he develops. Um, but then you know, yeah, after that, it's like I just you know be interesting to see what they do at the trade deadline. Yeah, I'm I'm curious myself. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, every other year we've known that they were going to be buyers or they, they were at least BSing the the, the fans into their. Uh, their Dylan Sakura trade deadline acquisitions. So this could be the first year in a while where they're really sellers. Well, yeah, if they're buying at the deadline, I, I give up. I mean, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> if they're buying at the, the, at the deadline. I, I think that it's just evidence that they've completely gone off the rails. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see it happening. Honestly, I think that I, I think there's more sanity left in the organization than, than that. Um, some fans may not like hearing that, but it, yeah, it would just be insane. Yeah. Well, speaking of tanking, uh, Jack Hughes uh, assisted on the primary goal, the primary only goal for uh, the Black or not the Blackhawks, the Team USA right now in the World Juniors. So uh, we have that to look forward to. And, and like we said, Ian Mitchell scored earlier for Canada. Yeah. And uh, Capo Caco, <laughs> the uh, the big uh, Finnish winger. I guess he's. Uh, playing against Canada and playing very well tonight as well. So he's supposed to be like the second uh yeah. second overall pick. So 
Crapo for Kako. <laughs> it doesn't flow off the tongue as Slack for Jack or Lewis for Hughes, but it's as, it's, as, it's as close as I could get. Yeah. Yeah. So, and also watch out. I did see something about uh, Turcotte, uh, who is, you know, further down the draft list, possibly skyrocketing up to third overall. Um, so, and he's a Chicago, or at least he, he has Chicago ties. So, you know, you know how yeah. Bowman likes to do that. Yeah. Although he may have learned his lesson <laughs> with Henestroza and uh, the other uh, Northwest uh, uh, Chicago suburb crew. Hartman and hey, don't don't go busted on the Northwest suburbs. <laughs> all right, that does it for us. Um, <clears throat> you can find all of our comprehensive content at www.thedashrink.com. You can find us on the popular social media at the Rink Official, uh, at the Rinkcast. I am at Pocket Hostel. You, sir, are at Jekyll J A E C K E L. Uh, if you get a chance, I I checked the other day. We don't have any new reviews. Please head over, rate and review us, subscribe to the podcast so we climb up the charts. It really does help out. If you like what we're doing, share it with your friends, please. Your friends, family, whatever. Anyone who you think would like to listen to us or would enjoy what we're bringing you. We've got, hopefully, some really good guests lined up for the uh, the month of January and into the you know the remainder of the Blackhawks season. So that's what we're going to try and bring you. So, uh uh, <clears throat> I have one last plug, the Sean and Maya show in the morning. They've asked me to, uh, a couple times to call in, talk about Blackhawks. When the Blackhawks made the trade Sunday, they asked me to call in on Monday. So I did. Uh, I enjoyed, uh, we talked for about 25 minutes. Uh, if you look on the website, I clip cropped out, uh, my interview, but I also, uh, sent, put a link to their show as well. I'd like them to get a credit for it. And, uh, <coughs> they're good people over there. Sean and Maya, the super back, Sean, Sierra, and uh, the sports chica Maya. Uh, they're, they're good people over there. And, they, and, and you know what? They, a lot of sports talk radio and all that, they can't really keep up. They, they do the minimum to keep up. They, can, they know a few buzzwords and they know that stuff. These guys, they know their stuff. They're Chicagoans and they know their hockey. And uh, awesome. yeah, it, it's good. So I, I, I like to get the, the rink name out there. So, uh, you know, I'm perfectly willing to, you know, talk on some other shows if we <laughs> if we have to. So, um, Sean and I in the morning, you've seen the links on the website. Uh, check out the uh, what we talked about Monday. A lot of it is still relevant. So, uh, you got any other plugs you want? I, you know, I would just encourage our listeners to, um, and we know you're out there. Um, I encourage you to uh, visit the website. We've got, uh, in addition to Mario Tirabasi covering um, the AHL and, and Rockford like nobody else and Aaron Goldschmidt covering the NCAAs. Um, Ray Napientek is now covering the Chicago steel for us. Ron Luce is going to be delivering dedicated reportage on the entirety of uh, major junior hockey, CHL and USHL. And then our, our guy, Evan Miller covering the Indy fuel. You heard his report tonight. Um, you know, and, and Bob Rose has had some um, some family issues, family health issues this year, but he's going to be contributing again for us on skills. Um, and then as the draft, um, you know, gets closer, we'll have Eric Andrews and, and Wiz may uh, may show up um, with some Wiz of in his, the box. Uh, <laughs> pearls, pearls of wisdom. Um, so just, you, you know, 
Um, just because the Hawks are, are struggling this year, that doesn't mean that, um, you know, that there isn't a lot to explore um, in, in hockey and in hockey uh, journalism. Um, and uh, we've got it. We've got it covered seven ways from Sunday. And uh, um, I, I mean, I'm excited as not just a, you know, a founder of the rink and, and a partner in the rink, but also as a fan to uh, to dive in more to uh, the reportage and some of these other guys at some of the other levels of hockey. Because, you know, let's face it, the NCAAs and, and, and the AHL at the very least, Rockford, that's part of the future of the Hawks. And this future that we've been talking about, um, that we hope is, is a bright one. And, uh, so, and, and Mario, it's, um, all these guys are really good writers and, uh, they've got some great insights. They're not just putting up the same old fanboy crap. Um, and, um, you know, I would just urge you guys when you come to the site and you read about the Hawks, check these other guys out too. It's, you know, there it's really good stuff. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's an excellent, uh, plug there for the, for all the guys because they're all working real hard and they're all doing a great job yeah and, uh, yeah I, I i'm very happy with what we have going on here so for the second half of the season we're going to roll it roll it all the way to the end i think it's uh april 1st or something is the last game of the year or so and i would be i'd be remiss if i didn't mention pappy and um brian ferran yeah. um who are you know providing a little bit more of the nhl coverage um that we that we Jeff and I focus on, um, but those guys have been really nice additions as well. And, and then Mark Karkowska um, is another guy who's been helping us out with some of the NHL work this year as well. And, and if I'm leaving anybody out, um, I apologize. Um, we've we've added quite a few right now. Stephen Douglas, yeah, I and also Matt Ross, yeah, uh, been helping us out as well. And and uh, so I don't want to leave those guys out either. Um, but again, that's, that's, we've been through adding these guys and, and getting them on, you know, online and engaged. We've, uh, no, it's just amazing when I go to the site and, and, uh, check it out. It's, it's the, 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 the amount of fresh content that's going up on the site every day, you know, on all different levels of hockey and different aspects of hockey on, you know, we're still working on adding, um, you know, somebody who's, who's really deep into the analytics, um, having some conversations with some people about that. Um, you know, uh, European hockey, um, we're, we're, we're trying to find somebody to, to report on that as well. And, uh, we will, it'll happen. And, mm -hmm. um, that's going to, you know, just add more dimensions to what we're bringing on the rink. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the nice thing about what we're doing is we're doing what we want to do. You know, we're not, we don't have some big conglomerate that's, you know, like fan sided or whatever. Um, that's kind of overseeing what you're doing telling you you got to do more of this or you got to do more of that like we we could not do anything if we wanted to but we're not that's not the way we're going to go we do yeah. what we want to do we report on the things that we feel are important and um and we feel that the fans need to know the things fans need to know and be informed on to be better fans and that's what we're trying to do we're not just trying to to send out a whole bunch of clickbait and this is Alex to bring its dog. And this is da, 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 da. Like that's just fluff. And that's just TMZ BS. And we don't need any of that. And that's what we're not going to bring. We're, we're, we're going to stick, stick to hockey. You know, and that's the other thing too, is I, I mean, we've had people approach us about, um, you know, advertising on the site, um, you know, pop-ups and whatnot. And, you know, we, we've avoided that. So that's the other thing. When you come to our site, you don't get a lot of an, uh, ads popping up. We've got a couple ads there for puck hockey who are our, you know, founding sponsors and really more like partners than anything else. Um, 
And, uh, you know, we may at some point uh, institute some a revenue model, but we're never probably never going to have deluge you with ads like some sites do. Um, you know, when you come there, you're, you're coming there for the content, you know, not to uh, to buy pizza or, you know, skates or, or uh, you know, trips to Aruba, you know. <laughs> so um, I don't know. Or trips there's, to there's, Ohio. It <laughs> might make you want to go to Aruba. But, yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean, so that's, again, it just, it's, it's all about the content and that's, you know, we focused on that from the very beginning. And again, I, I just eternally grateful to the writers who've jumped on board and they're, they're part of this adventure with us and, uh, you know, an investment of their, literally an investment of their time and talent, um, to, to make this thing. And it's exciting. It's just, it's, it's grown beyond what, you know, we envisioned 14 months ago, yeah. um, and it's going to keep growing. And uh, I mean, for that's not about us. It's about the fans and, and the fans having a place to come. And I mean, when I look at the, the Facebook page and the numbers of posters and, you know, names that I remember from Hockey Buzz and, and you know, new, all kinds of new people. Um, and it just keeps growing. And, and uh, you know, the, the interactions on, on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram. Um, and then, you know, on the site, the comments on, on the, the blogs on the site, um, it's all and it's all really still in, in near infancy. So it's um, we're excited. We invite you all to be part of it and be regular parts of it. Bookmark us, you know, make us a regular part of your day because you're rarely you're going to come to the site where there's not new content posted. Then yeah, subscribe to the email uh, list, which basically just tells you when uh, new articles come out, if you want to be notified that way. Uh, you know, or the rink official, we, all of our articles are posted there. So uh, several places you can find all of our stuff, but, uh, you know, we, we appreciate you all coming back and hanging in there with us. And, uh, you know, it's, this is a, an important time of year for us because we, we really like to go hard at the, uh, trade deadline with, with what's going on. So it's going to be really important for that in the draft coming up. And there probably will be some rumors between now and the trade deadline because I think the Hawks are going to be active and probably as sellers. And uh, the rumor mill has, like I said, has dried up a little bit the last couple of years. But there's still there's still some stuff out there and uh, still a couple of uh, fairly regular sources who uh, share information with us. Um, I mean, one of the guys that we still talk to tipped us on the Ryan Hartman deal last year. Um, and, uh, you know, he was right. And, um, you know, we were able to get that out there and to give you the hows and whys of, you know, why he was going to be traded. And that's exactly what happened. So, um, you know, stick with us. It's going to be exciting. I mean, that trade deadline is going to be fun this year. It's going to be fun to be sellers and not buyers. Um, and I, I do think that's what's going to happen. I, and I hope so, too. Yep. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. So I. I don't think check, check out our sponsors, Puck Hockey, P U C K H C K Y. Um, buy some gear. It's cool stuff. Yeah. I was wearing my stuff all over the Christmas holiday. And time off. Uh yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't I can't forget my boy Patrick Judge, who's been on the podcast uh-huh. a couple times. Yeah. They uh they released some new music. Um uh two songs on my side and peace from their double album that's gonna be coming out. I believe it's March first. It's called War and Peace. And uh, it's good stuff. Um, I had it as an outro last uh, podcast. I'm going to do it as an outro again on this podcast. Um, but uh, all this being said, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download us and support us. Until next episode, this is On My Side by Demon Hunter. See you on the link. <laughs>